Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And looky, looky, who's making a special appearance with me this week. It's the legend, my OG co-host, Houston Sports Talk correspondent, RG Seal. And it's the first time that we've checked in with you since the pandemic started. How's it going out in Los Angeles? Well, first of all, I feel like a backup quarterback here. So I'm just, uh, you know, coming in, uh, hopefully more uh, Nick Foles and Blaine Gabbert or something. But you prepare differently, RG. You're coming in as a as a bench guy. Do you do you have to warm up differently? Do you you know put some different emphasis on your uh, vocal cords or, you know, how do you yeah. how do you do it? I think everybody's kind of doing it differently these days, right? Everybody's uh, kind of like in their pajamas at home anyway, doing the, uh, you know, but coming in and speaking over Zoom or Skype or doing any of these work from home kind of calls, right? I mean, it's all, uh, it's all, it's a whole new world out there, but no, I'm, I'm happy to be back here. I'm happy to be back on the show and contributing and, uh, talking a little sports, getting mind off again, the COVID and coronavirus. You and I are going to get into the Astros in a second, but the story, the story in the sports world yesterday was the Patrick Mahomes 10 year, $450 million dollar extension it's nearly half a billion dollars it's the richest deal in sports history to which deshaun watson says what does deshaun watson want to say right now you mean the jerry Maguire? show me the money show me the money jerry you better yell show me the money show me the money rg show me the money come on I mean, we've pretty much known this since both Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson coming up to a big payday. Dak Prescott, too. You can add him in there. But, yeah, Patrick Mahomes was going to set the bar. So you pretty much know now that's what he's getting with this extraordinary contract. And what is it? Averaging almost, what, $40 million per year when you stretch it out over the length of the contract. Uh, then he's got incentives built in. Previously, it was Russell Wilson, excuse me, at thirty-five million per year. So you can be thinking uh, with Deshaun Watson, it's going to be something in that ballpark, something similar. I don't know if he'll get past Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes is an NFL MVP, Super Bowl winning quarterback. So I'll be that in negotiations. But it certainly has to be a great time for Deshaun Watson. He's going to get paid. A big paycheck by the Houston Texans. You know what? Unless it's the best wide receiver in the NFL, GM Bill O'Brien, his negotiations basically go, hey, uh, what are you looking for on that contract? Oh, that's what you want? Okay, here you go. I'll let you fill in whatever you, whatever you want in, in this area right here, and it's all yours. You know, Nick Martin, Whitney Merciless, Laramie Tunsil. Anybody else want to rob this bank? <laughs> Well, hey, that's pretty good for Deshaun Watson, isn't it? He can just pretty much like pin, pin in the numbers, if that's what you're saying with uh, Bill O'Brien. But, I mean, we know Bill O'Brien, that was part of the reason he said, oh, I traded DeAndre Hopkins because I'm looking at what's happening with, you know, Deshaun Watson's contract coming up. So, I mean, the Texans have been knowing this for, you know, months. Hopefully, they've been planning a little bit about this. But the one guy that they need to sign is their franchise quarterback. So you can always do the franchise tag. But I mean, I know that they want to be able to sign him to some kind of deal. I think the news was that Deshaun Watson said that, that he doesn't want to sign a Patrick Mahomes type 10 year contract. He'd rather do a shorter deal. So that probably is better for all sides involved anyway, because, you, yeah, I mean, you'd love to have a quarterback maybe over the, the length of a contract towards the latter end. If 
you know, the quarterback's still a great quarterback and, you know, what Patrick Mahomes should be. For him, he's taking a risk that, you know, he won't be the top paid quarterback and somebody else will, will vault past him in that regard. But at least in the short term, you know, you kind of have more flexibility as a club in case there are injuries, as we know, Deshaun Watson's injury history, things like that. So, I mean, you still need to sign him. He's a franchise quarterback, hopefully multiple contracts with the Texans, hopefully his whole career with the Texans, hopefully many Super Bowls. But yeah, it's going to be a hefty paycheck from from the Texans to Deshaun Watson. And he has to be smiling after that Patrick Mahomes deal. It's just extraordinary. Yeah, that was a big thing that you just mentioned, because uh, Aaron Wilson says, look, he, he doesn't want to go past 2024, a three year extension. Same same type of deal that Laramie Tunsil has. And you get the feeling, RG, that, uh, you know, if, if, if guys are going to Vegas on the Texans, they're like, yeah, I, I just I, I don't want to. I don't want to go all in. I'm not pushing all my chips in on this whole Bill O'Brien thing just yet. Well, it's partly that, but it's also, again, it's the landscape of the market can change in three or four years. A lot of guys, some guys want the long-term deal, the 10-year deal, because that's security. It's like, I mean, look, he's making $500 million with incentives. I mean, that's that's just mind-boggling for Patrick Mahomes. But some might say, well, you know what? I can keep reading. You know, I can earn 40, 45 million per year. And then what, what do you know? It might be 50 or 60 million. You never know. I mean, how things change, the revenues, whatever the top-rated quarterbacks might be getting. And Deshaun Watson's kind of betting on himself. But it also gives kind of him and the organization a little bit more flexibility to see about what happens. Because we know things change in the NFL over time. You know, you've seen quarterbacks come into the league. Hopefully it doesn't happen with, you know, Deshaun Watson. But you've seen quarterbacks come in. They have excellent first four or five years. And and then, you know, they start on a downward spiral and they're not the same. Others have second half career career renaissance, you know. Uh, So, I mean, there's just different types of players and quarterbacks in the NFL is especially a difficult position. Yeah, I just kind of think that they might end up doing one of those Kirk Cousins deals. You know, the the guaranteed contract. I think Deshaun, he's setting himself up maybe for this, if it's only a three-year extension Maybe it's a guaranteed deal. I mean, that, that if I was Deshaun, that's what I would be asking for if I'm only asking for three years. No matter what comes of this, it's just more of like what's going to happen with the Texans organization moving forward. Deshaun Watson's going to be a big part of the the salary cap. So uh, I think that Patrick Mahomes, what he's he's going to be almost 20 percent of the salary cap. I believe so. You'd have to check me on that. Somebody on, listening on Twitter or excuse me, listening on, on, on the podcast uh, will we'll go check on that. I think moving forward here, it's that that's what's going to always be the case. It's like, who can you sign? Who can you keep when you pay this much money to a quarterback? Because Deshaun Watson will get paid. The NFL quarterback is the most important thing. Then you mentioned Laramie Tunsil. You want to probably, like they've talked about J.J. Watt, you want to finish his career as a Texan? You know, I mean, you're going to have to pay J.J. Watt. And then you have other players that you want to sign and, you know, keep that roster full, draft well. And we know Bill O'Brien likes to deal draft picks and kind of plays for today, not tomorrow. So, I mean, it's very interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how the Texans manage all of this. Yet, of course, I mean, you have to have Deshaun Watson. There's no anytime you have an NFL franchise quarterback these days, you have to have that type player. Yeah, you can build everything around it. We saw that with the Texans. Okay, yeah, put in Matt Schaub and build the whole team around him and have everything be perfect. And then still, you know, you're you're still looking for that elite quarterback, franchise quarterback. So it's very difficult to win in the NFL without having that. Yeah, I was also just kind of wondering, you know, staying with the Texans, has anybody seen Cal McNair since the hostage video last month? I think Bill O'Brien's got him handcuffed and an 
undisclosed location? Do we send SEAL Team 6 in after him or maybe RG SEAL Team 7? I don't know what we do okay. there, RG. I mean, again, he's going to be the guy, you know, paying the money. So uh, he probably is hiding out in an undisclosed locale right now, looking over all his uh, stacks of cash because he knows he's going to have to unload that and put in the direction of his of his team and his players. So, yeah, Bill O'Brien has the easier job. He just negotiates the deal. He doesn't have to pay it. Yeah, I just thought it was kind of – I mean, I just <laughs> – I've heard a word from Cal McNair. Well, that's kind of typical, though. The guy doesn't do many interviews. He basically is not. That's not his thing. Bob McNair, you could, you know, he would occasionally, when he was alive and everything, he would, you know, have these interviews and be. It would be a goldmine for reporters, right? Somebody like yourself who's out there and when he would uh, uh, say things. But that's just not Cal McNair. But Cal McNair's always been a kind of behind the scenes guy. He doesn't like the spotlight. Not that Bob McNair did either, but I was just saying he was more more outgoing with the press and the media. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, that's how a lot of these NFL owners are. They they don't like to – unless they're Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones never met a microphone that he didn't love. Yeah, and uh, I, I, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Deshaun. I'm scared to death that he's just going to – okay, uh, the numbers uh, – this is what I'm looking at. Okay, that's good. We got you. But, yeah, it's, if it's only three years, I mean, if, if you're the, the Texans – I guess they only get in trouble for for three years with the the Tunsil and the and the Deshaun thing, but we'll see how this things plays out. Uh, let's get to the Astros schedule. Well, hey, I want to before you go to that, I, I wanted to see because they mentioned it last week. Might have been a complete rumor, but I you oh, might don't, have don't even go to the Antonio Brown. The, yeah, thing. the Antonio Brown. I mean, that was something. What would you? I mean, no. Deshaun Watson even had a tweet about it where he was uh, intrigued with his little uh, gif. But what would you think of possibility of – I mean, Antonio Brown sounds like he's going to go somewhere, whether it's the Seahawks or the Cleveland Browns, the Houston Texans. Yeah, you're Bill O'Brien. Your whole career in Houston has been based on guys showing up to work and guys that are team guys and everything, and you're going to go get it. I just think that's just the bunch, biggest bunch of crap ever, that it's that the Texans or would even think about Antonio – Bill O'Brien? Are we talking about the same Bill O'Brien? He, this is a guy that like, oh, DeAndre Hopkins, the cleanest record in the, I don't, but I don't like DeAndre Hopkins for this. And, the, and he's going to go with Antonio Brown. I, I don't know. Well, maybe he's turned over a new leaf. You never know. I mean, it's the, uh, uh, no, of, no, uh, no. Uh, what, what would be his fifth, uh, 50th chance, a hundredth chance. How many chances does this guy have? I mean, I mean, he couldn't even make it with the Raiders. Wasn't that like the, the reclamation project organization under Al Davis uh, all those years and then going with Gruden and trading the high draft picks? And then he basically bails out on them. But uh, and then the Patriots fiasco. But who knows? I mean, again, you never know. COVID, Corona, this whole pandemic changed people's lives. So uh, maybe uh, maybe Bill O'Brien now has a you know second thoughts uh, if uh, somebody like uh, Antonio Brown really is dedicated and earnest and you know and it's cleared by the nfl that's a thing we haven't mentioned but that's a a very important fact because he's under investigation of course yeah this is i mean come on antonio brown i mean i I don't mean to make fun of it but the guy has mental issues and 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 that's something that if you're the texans and you're trying to build this you know team team deal and it's about not just a DeAndre Hopkins at wide receiver, but we're going to have four or five guys at wide receiver. Uh, you know, that's the thing. Antonio Brown, I, I wish he would just, his name would be taken out of the spotlight because the guy needs help. And, and that's the bottom line. But let's, let's get to the Astros schedule because it comes out. And if all goes as planned, the Astros 
open with the Mariners at Minute Maid Park two weeks from Friday, two weeks from Friday with a three-game series. Then they have a couple in Houston against the Dodgers, and here's where the schedule gets interesting. There are four national games on television, national television, and uh, two of them, two, are against the Dodgers. GRG, I I wonder how they're going to promote those games. What do you think they're going to do there? (laughs) No idea what they're going to talk about with the Dodgers, but... Uh, it's an interesting schedule. I mean, just off first glance, I mean, this is a 60-game schedule. So usually by the time you get to August, it's, oh, it's the dog days of August. Now it's going to be it's going to be more like an NFL season, you know, right? Remember you go off, you start off 0-3 and three or 1-4, and four, you know, you're pretty much like toast. You're done. I mean, if you get off to a bad start in a 60-game baseball season, you're going to have to be perfect, on, you know, the rest of the way out. And it's just a lot of teams that get off to slow starts are just not going to be able to recover, especially getting back to the whole COVID thing. What if you have players start testing positive and you have to shuffle your roster every time because some guys are, you know, test positive. They're gone for a couple of weeks. They have to go off in quarantine. I mean, it's going to be a baseball season like we've never seen. But one of the things that's kind of intriguing to me is, at least with the Astros schedule, is that they have a lot of home games early and then more road games towards the latter part of the season or towards the end of September, end of the season. I'm just curious because we know that Jim Crane has said if the coronavirus numbers get better if they were allowed to have fans at the stadium, you know, at 25 to 50 percent. You know, I'd like to be able to do that. The owners around baseball would like to be able to do that, too, of course, because they'll increase revenues. So it doesn't look like it right now. It could be the whole baseball season and postseason without any fans in the stadium. That's the way that it's being portrayed right now. But that's something if the numbers get better, if there's if there's a possibility to have some fans in the stadium. And that to me would be interesting because if the Astros have the, the last couple of weeks on the road where they've got a lot of road games, if 25, 50%, if you get any fans in Dodger Stadium, just think what that atmosphere would be like. I mean, it would be crazy. Yeah, one thing that struck me was the late start times in Houston for the games. Most of the games start at 8, 10 at Minute Maid. From what I read, the later start times when West Coast teams were negotiating this deal where it was like a trade-off for earlier times when the Astros in California, you know, when they're playing there. So the good news is not one single game this season will start later than 8-10 in Houston, despite all these games out on the West Coast, which is extremely interesting. But I thought of something else, RG. Now, maybe this won't happen at all, but with the coronavirus, wouldn't it be better to have the roof open at Minute Maid? And with all these 8-10 starts... You could start games with the roof open and you're pretty much out of that miserable part of the, you know, Houston summer day and think about it, fan comfort, you know, it's not a concern really. If there's no fans in the park, you know, you talked about fans, but most likely no fans in the park. Is that something maybe that the Astros medical staff should consider is, hey, let's leave the roof open. Oh, I would prefer, I mean, you know me, I'm an outdoor baseball guy to begin with, stuff like that. So a purist standpoint that way. I remember they used to always open, I don't know if they do as frequently anymore, but remember it was like late in, by the seventh or eighth innings, they would open up the roof for, a, even in the hot summer days for a few innings. That used to be in the earlier years of the stadium with Minute Maid Park. That could be something, yeah, I mean, look, outdoors is better. We know that. You're absolutely right about that. So, and, you know, maybe the, the, the players would feel more comfortable at the same time, you know, maybe they would feel like, well, that'd just be in this 
Houston heat and weather, and they're going to be playing indoors anyway some of the other days too. You know, I mean, that's that's one of those things that could go either way. I, I mean, you, yeah, you you could open the roof because um, the main thing is fan comfort, right? Keep it at 72 degrees because the fans wouldn't like it. But if the fans aren't going to be there, but if they do open up this, like I was talking about earlier, if they open up Minute Maid Park and other stadiums around baseball, if the governor's permit and Major League Baseball says that's that's okay. Uh, that certain stadiums can have a certain percentage of fans in there, like what they're doing with restaurants right now. You can have 25 to 50 percent, you know, not full capacity. But if they do that, they spread them out in the seats. Well, then, yeah, it's going to be roof closed. So, yeah, you think about it. Uh, what about the Texans? I mean, does anybody still do they still have the key to the thing to turn the turn the roof and open? Do they know how to open it anymore? Is it <laughs> is it locked? Is it glued shut? Yeah, pretty much that's glued shut. <laughs> it had to take, what, a hurricane to rip the roof off, basically, to keep it open for one one season. Other than that, yeah, that was kind of like money. A retractable roof there was really money well spent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just don't put it past. I mean, I think the Texans, it, it, that's a potential, maybe. Maybe it's a potential thing that could happen. And, you know, if you go back, okay, so you go back to this Astros schedule. They don't play the Rangers till September where they play them a total of 10 times in the last month, and they're going to be out at that new stadium, RG. Uh, have you seen the new Ranger Stadium? looks like a the Home Depot, the sort of retrofitted Home Depot out there. <laughs> yeah, it looks like Home Depot from the outside and looks like Minute Maid Park from the inside, right? Yeah, I, I just think that kind of matters, don't you, that they, they play the Rangers all, all, all those times in the last month because – Look, the Rangers, remember the, the, the offseason, they, they picked up some pitching and they're going to be a lot tougher this year. Well, that's the whole thing about this whole baseball schedule. Desi Baker, we haven't even mentioned the Astros manager here up to this point, you know, and it's like he's going to have to manage like it's the postseason in a certain sense. So it's good that he has a lot of postseason experience managing and has managed a lot of ball games. But this can be totally, completely different because, yeah, a team like the Rangers, they they've definitely improved. Everybody's in it. There's really nobody that's out of it. I mean, you can go like la we, we saw last year when Seattle got off to the really good start right and then they ended up losing basically 100 games I mean they were a terrible team and one of the worst teams in baseball if you get hot for two or three weeks and at the beginning of the season here July beginning of August then you all of a sudden think you know what hey we can acquire some guys at trading deadlines at the end of August this year we can make a run for it you know that's why I think that every single game is going to matter when I mentioned earlier about the NFL season it's just like you know you really have to look at it like almost like it's a it's a October baseball NFL games Sunday games where everything's really meaningful this isn't like the six month marathon where it's like oh you get four or five game losing streak that's it's 162 games you're basically starting out of the gates here 60 games left everybody's equal let's go so I mean it's a totally different season and and there could be a lot of surprises and strange things that happen and teams that were thought to be like oh automatic because of their rosters and again because we don't know what the roster can be like you could have let's let's just say hypothetically I mean the Astros start off with you know Justin Verlander here and Zach Greinke but what if they get a week into the season and one of those guys or a couple of those guys in the pitching staff you're you're and or a couple of guys regulars in your lineup like a Jose Altuve or Carlos Correa they have to you know sit for two weeks because of you know the coronavirus just as you're playing a team like the Giants who might have their whole roster and you know even though that you ordinarily you'd You'd say, okay, that's that's a game the Astros would easily win, you know, a matchup versus, you know, Seattle or the Giants or something. But if you're, you know, your roster is depleted and you're having to play guys that you didn't think you would play. I mean, that's going to happen all over baseball this season. 
potentially. So that's why I think it's just it's just so absurd and zany. We're going to look back on this 60 game season, you know, unless the Astros win a championship, of course, then it'll be the greatest season ever. But uh, <laughs> for a lot of Houston fans, but a lot of you are just going to look back. Wow. What what did they really do during that 2020 season? That was one of the craziest things that I've ever seen in my life. But it, hey, at least we get baseball back. Maybe we'll see. Uh, <laughs> one bit of news this week that caught my ear is GM G- James Click said the Astros they're working on signing George Springer to a contract extension, and they're open to do that during the season. That's good news for fans of the Connecticut Crush. And if you haven't heard, RG, we're, we're workshopping a few Astros nicknames. The Connecticut Crush is what we're going with. But that that's that's a big deal. The Astros, you know, they really want to bring back George Springer. And look, I, you know, I don't know what you think, but me and Stephen were talking about this. I think this shortened season, the uncertainty of baseball, the lack of money that might be out there because of what's happened this year, it helps the Astros in re-signing a George Springer. Oh, well, definitely. There's a lot of uncertainty there. So, A, there's not going to be the potential amount of bidders. Anybody who's a free agent coming up this offseason, whether you're George Springer, whether you're Mookie Betts, whether you're JT Realmuto, maybe they'll still get paid and paid heavily, but... You have to look at the fact that so many of these owners are facing a cash shortfall, revenue shortfall. You know, it's going to affect how they go into next season. We still don't know next season. I mean, even in 2021, the coronavirus, again, this kind of hangs over everybody's head. I said at the beginning of the show, didn't really want to talk about it, but we're going to have to talk about it because it's the, you know, elephant in the room here. So you have to wonder, will there even be like a baseball season next year, even if there's potentially a vaccine or there's potentially therapies and treatments? Yes, hopefully so. I mean, we want to be optimistic and all of that. But just looking from the Astros perspective, I mean, you have a guy coming here. I mean, to me, that's good. They're having dialogue that recognize how important it is, but also the fact the Astros have a real shortage of outfielders. Not only is George Springer a free agent, Michael Brantley is a free agent. Josh Reddick's a free agent, and they have really zero depth in their farm system at the outfielder position. There's not somebody coming up that you say, this is a guy we want to build around or somebody that you would automatically assume pass the reins to. They're going to have to go out and sign some guys for the outfield anywhere, make trades. We've seen that over the years, right, that ballplayers in their 30s, they just aren't getting the contracts that they used to with the numbers in the front office now, the executives that look at that and they see age and they just don't want to do the long-term contracts for them. So that that's already kind of going against them, that bias. But then you have the other factors too, being that a lot of clubs may not have the money or want to get into the free agent spending with the revenue uncertainty. The other thing that we haven't mentioned is the collective bargaining agreement is expiring at the end of 2021. So, you know, maybe the, again, they're all, there's, so much uncertainty that that has to factor into, hey, the Astros, I'm already with this organization, George Springer thinking, you know, if they offer him a fair uh, contract and, you know, he can already be here and do do that and they, they give him a good amount of money, well, then that's something that definitely I could see him resigning with the Astros, especially since they have a need for the outfield. You know, 2020 has been a weird year, but uh, this is this kind of sums it up. Uh, Chris Davinsky answered a question this week by saying, quote, no. I've never been a licker. This is where we're at right now. I mean, you know what the question had to be, right? This is this is a Chandler Rome deal. Well, let me just tell you, because uh, you might not know. He was asked about licking the baseball. And is, it, is that something that he's going to have to change with the with the COVID stuff? And he's like, no, 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 I've, I've never been a licker. And, and basically, I've confirmed that with a couple of uh, 
Chris Davinsky's girlfriend. So that is that is source confirmed. Yeah, I mean, it's a strange thing. What do you think about some of the things that they're going to have this? As, as speaking of, I mean, you've always been a DH proponent. So are you happy with this universal DH now? And do you think it's going to be permanent? We'll never see the pitcher bat again. You know me, I, I, I'm a think out of the box guy. And I, I definitely want, I, well, I wanted the DH. I mean, you know, you and I have talked about this. I, I, I don't miss the days of Osmus Everett and the pitcher, you know, and me going to the bathroom for about an inning and not missing anything. But also, you know, I, I, I told, I told Steven this last week and I, you're, you're a traditionalist. So I know you're, you'd probably go against this, but you know, I, I'm fine with this, you know, put a runner on second base in, in the extra innings I, to me, get the games over with the extra inning games. They, they last too long. When you get in the playoffs. Okay. We'll play it out, but regular season games, put the runner on second base. Let, let's let's speed it up because you know people they're go, they're going home they're going home after after in a, in a regular season game usually after like the tenth or eleventh inning anyway. Well, I think this year they just don't want to have it. I I am more of a traditionalist in that sense. I can see it this year sixty game schedule again, crazy things being done. You're only playing with your division, but basically you're only playing ten teams in a sixty game schedule or involves ten teams, right? You have your opponents there, the AL West, the the NL West. Next year, if things are back to normal, 162-game season, I would still like to see, at least for the first few innings of extra innings, I could see it maybe in the 13th or 14th inning if you're, the games are starting to drag on. But at least for the 10th, 11th, 12th innings, I would I would keep it you know, towards like traditional baseball. I would think about those other things more maybe if it gets to be much, much later in extra innings where you know, you're going on these you know, potential 18 or 19 inning games, like what the Astros had in 2005, you know, stuff like that. And also, I mean, I, I'm of the opinion that going forward, I'm not opposed to there being ties after 12, like, let's just call it a tie. And that's going to work into the standings, but that it's a tie, a tie after 12 innings. Uh, I, don't, I don't like that. Come on. You don't like ties in soccer. It's one of the things you complain about. So <laughs> look, baseball, I mean, for years played through gr- grueling extra inning affairs, but they've played through the grueling extra inning games. And, but the problem is they're grueling. That's not fun to watch games that go in the 13, 14 or 15 inning because it just like, like I was talking with Steven last week, it just, it rips apart your pitching staff and then you're playing, you're bringing up minor league guys that nobody wants to see for the next few weeks. But, but how often do they happen? I mean, it's not like extra inning games happen all that often. And like I was telling you, you could do the 10th inning, the 11th inning, 12th inning. You have three innings that are potentially, okay, that's not too much more. That's kind of what, you know, you wouldn't be exhausting your pitching staff then. Then you could switch in the 13th or 14th inning to the, the runner on second base and trying to do things to 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 speed the game up and have it end so that it doesn't drag on past, you know, 12, 13 innings. But, you know, I still am, again, I'm more of a baseball traditionalist than you. I just don't want to see that like it, as all of a sudden in the 10th inning where, where you're having to do that. Because a lot of times these these days um, you get five or six innings out of a pitcher, right? I mean, I know that unless you're talking about the Tampa Bay Rays, they have just crazy where they do it. But you get five or six innings, quality start. You go to your setup guy seven, eight, you know, and then you have your closer who can maybe pitch an inning or two. So you're not really, for the most part, you know, exhausting like a, you know, a big part of your pitching staff going to the 11th, 12th, 13th inning. It's when you start getting into those much later innings and the games drag on like you're talking about. So I, you know, I, again, I'd have, I'd be more open to it if you're talking about it several innings into extra inning, then start doing some of these. But I understand for this year, 
you have to do it because, again, the coronavirus and wanting to get out of the stadium quickly and, you know, not wanting to have these things drag on and have, you know, be at the ballpark, you know, potentially exposed for, you know, uh, 10 hours because the game won't end. All right. Well, we all love Roy Oswalt, but one thing we learned on Twitter this week is he's not a health expert and sometimes you just got to stay in your lane. He said, quote, let the guys play. Quit coming up with stupid rules like no spitting. If you're scared, stay home. If you're not, strap it on, unquote. Uh, Roy, it's a virus that's killed 130,000 Americans in the last four months. It's transmitted through the air. If you get it, it's, it's not just you, brother. You put your whole family at risk. So, Roy, get back on the tractor. Drayton got you. And calm down. Calm down. We can live without RG. Can you get through a day without spitting outside of like brushing your teeth? You can do that, right? It's not that hard. For one thing, you don't have to put sunflower seeds in the dugout or do things. So take all of those things away. That, But a lot of players have habits, right? So, I mean, is you know, some people are just going to naturally, I mean, when they're in the batter's box, they're going to step out. They're going to spit. Just it's natural. I mean, you just did automatic reaction there. It's tough to say something you've been doing your whole life, you know, stop doing. Or you, a pitcher might lick his hands again, you know, and then go to the ball. That, we see that all the time, you know, because it's just it's natural human reaction. So there are going to be some of those things. You try to minimize it. I mean, baseball is trying to say don't do these things. But. I mean, it's going to be very difficult because, I mean, baseball players, as we know, are creatures of habit. So even high-fiving or something like that or hugging your teammates, I mean, we've seen, I mean, it's going to be very, very difficult. As long as people have the intent to do their best and not do these things, but I'm, are, you, are we going to jump on somebody if they perhaps, you know, do something that they've been doing their no, whole nobody's life? Nobody's getting thrown out of the game. It's just like this is what the MLB is just asking you nicely. Right. Don't spit. Sure, that, exactly. But I'm, some players are going to, you know, it's just that's going to be part of it. They're just automatically going to do that. They're just going to forget. You're right. It is, though, with the coronavirus swirling around doing this stuff, there, there are a lot of things that are just, you know, uh, we're going to look back differently on that we used to just not even pay attention to. So, yeah, I mean, I just I, I just thought the Roy thing is just like, come on, Roy. But any also. RG, I wanted to ask you because, you know, there's some players that have opted out of playing this year altogether. You got David Price with the Dodgers, Ryan Zimmerman, the Nationals, Joe Ross, the Nationals as well. And Marcakis, Nick Marcakis with the, the Braves, along with Felix Hernandez, Mike Lake, Lake Leak with the, uh, the Diamondbacks, Wellington, Wellington Concio, another Nationals player, and then Ian Desmond with the Rockies. Are, are any of these guys a big deal as far as the pennant race or, you know, what, what well, do you think? Mike Mike Trout has talked about dropping it. That would be a big deal. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, Ryan Zimmerman was a guy who was looking at possible retirement anyway. I mean, Mike Leake, he's not anybody. It's not like you're, you know, missing out on a Justin Verlander or a, a Blake Snell saying, I'm not going to come and pitch, right? You know, so, or a Max Scherzer. I, I mean, I guess we'll see if, if, if the closer that it gets, though, to opening day. And if somebody like Mike Trout decides to skip the season, which I guess is still not entirely out of the question, then that could open the floodgates to more stars saying, I'm not going to play either. Again, we have to watch the virus numbers, too. If more players like, you know, if it's only two or three 
players on the team and what we're seeing right now. But if it starts being like eight or nine, I mean, baseball might decide to shut it down in that case. But if four or five or six guys start testing positive per team and you have to go into quarantine for two weeks and things start happening like that, then players might get a little bit more scared. What are we really jumping into right here? Well, you said, you know, it's about the positive. This isn't about the positive cases. What What's going to change guys' minds is if a baseball player gets seriously ill or a member of his or a member of a baseball player's family gets seriously ill then i think that's the real wake up call that's the thing where you go okay oh wait a second this is this is way bigger because what happens is you know not only are are, are you putting yourself in danger with all this stuff but a lot of these guys you know they're they're dealing with family members they're dealing with kids you know whatever your wife uh, you heard Correa this week talking about his. You don't want his wife going to beauty salons, and everybody was like, uh, "What? What is that stupid?" Co-? That's a real conversation in families, and you know, I, I, the, the fact that they talked about it with Correa and they made a big, you know, they were like, "Oh, why is this a big deal with with Correa?" I, yeah, it's it, it's probably not a big deal because this this is the common conversation, RG, with everybody. You know, this is. This is something the key is it's just not about the players. This is about their families, too. And I think that's what I think a lot of I think that's what a lot of fans miss on this whole thing. And and that's what we're missing in the big picture is this. This is a virus. It, it explodes. It goes elsewhere. And that's the scary part. Well, it does. I mean, just like you said, that's a that's a scary part and everything that that we don't know where this virus is going or what could potentially happen. But but you're right that things could change because somebody at home, it could be somebody's a ball player's wife or parent or, you know, family member that gets sick from that and has to go into the hospital. That that could be something that, yeah, changes things. So like you said, just have to evaluate it day by day. You know, hopefully things will get better. I tend to be an optimist because, hey, we grew up in Houston and we we're always looking for, uh, you know, reasons for uh, wait till next year and uh, all the uh, d- disappointments uh, ultimately leading to triumph. So it's like hey, I try to look things with a little bit more of a, uh, you know, optimistic outlook. Yeah, you just said wait till next year. That's what Houston fans are uh, you know, used to. Hey, that that's basically 2020. Is can we? Isn't that the theme? Wait till next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless the Astros win a championship, right? Then then I'll be like, oh man, the 2020 60 game season. Wow, that was the best season ever. You know, so that was like you know, and it, plus it's an Astros season, so it's kind of perfect too. So yeah. That, that's the Astros for you. They're they're all about the Astros season. By the way, do you have any like as far as with a roster with the Astros and uh, like how you would kind of maneuver things here, make sure that because you're going to have 30 players on the roster, correct? So, uh, I mean, would you add more pitchers? Kind of what 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 are you what are you looking at the Astros potentially doing? Well, yeah, you've got to have as many pitchers I think available as possible because not only. Are we dealing with, you know, somebody could go down, get into two week quarantine, but also, I mean, the pitching is going to be so valuable because we just don't know how these guys are going to react. I mean, this is like a weird situation where they they went to spring training, but then they didn't pitch for four months. And yeah, you could be out there throwing in your yard. You could be out there warming up your arm, RG, but you and I know this. It's not the same as throwing live balls against, uh, you know, major league players. And, And there's there's a little bit of a run up to this. But, you know, like they got a there was a day that they that you took away because the testing hadn't come back. So they they, they, t- they end up t- taking a day off. And l- like I said, it just started like, you know, about a week. What was it a week ago? And we're already talking about games and, you know, a couple of weeks from uh, Friday already. 
Do you think it could be more advantageous for the Astros, though, being able to have somebody like Justin? I mean, you know, obviously having Justin Verlander stop the start the season that when he would have been out uh, potential regular season starting in April for several weeks or perhaps. Oh, months. yeah. Me and RG. I mean, me and Steven talked about uh, the, the whole. Yeah, this whole thing, because look, a lot of it has benefited the Astros. You know, you know, like we talked about the fact that like Jose Arquiti, Lance McCullers. Verlander, Granke, all these guys benefit from a shortened season. Guys coming back from injuries, guys that haven't pitched a whole uh, major league season as a as a baseball player, guys that are 36 and 37 years old. I mean, yeah, this is it's a big benefit, but RG, the Yankees, you know, that they had a lot of guys that weren't going to start the season either. They had right. some injuries and and and, and they're going to get some there's teams there's not just the Astros got a little help from the pushback on on the injury front. And the Yankees too as far as their division, they get to play a lot of games against Baltimore and then they also have like uh the Marlins in the other league as well too. So, it's just me so crazy over these 2 months and especially for the wild card position, it, it really is going to be something to watch because of, you know, strength of schedule. I really could get down to it because, you know, there are going to be certain teams that are just going to be completely out of it those last two weeks of September. Or so, but it's it's going to be an interesting baseball season. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, we, we talk a lot about baseball in this show. I, I do want to bring up one NBA thing. I mean, the Rockets have, they're, they're, they're kind of been in hold mode right now until they, they go to Orlando, but this week it's the 10th anniversary of the decision, the LeBron James decision. And it looked like, man, when that happened, the heat would be the dynasty of the decade, but turns out, not so fast. It was the Golden State Warriors, five finals and three championships. The the Heat, just four finals and two championships. And let me ask you, RG, you know, because I've been thinking about this. My feelings have changed. Have your feelings changed about LeBron and the decision compared to when it was made? I, the, the, look, the TV show, <laughs> I think we all agreed that was a disaster. Wait, you don't like that quote? I'm taking my talents to South Beach. I mean, come on. that That was like one of the best lines of the last decade <laughs> yeah i wasn't a fan of i mean i'm not a fan of ghosting and it was kind of the opposite of ghosting it's like yeah we're not going to ghost the, the the cleveland city i think we're just gonna we're gonna go right out in front and tell the entire world it's like in, the, in that like your girlfriend saying uh you know what uh I, i'm gonna make the decision on the on whether i want to marry you or not and i'm not gonna tell you what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna put it up on instagram and say I'm out. I'm, I'm, I've got another guy. Uh, he's over in uh, Miami Beach, and I'm going to go check him out. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, my my thing with the with that, you know, the whole thing. I I thought at the time I was thinking, you know, he's he's going to play with like the best players, and it's not fair to you know because you want to see guys try to win with what they've got. But you look back on what Cleveland put around him was a total joke. It it was I mean they didn't put crap they did a terrible job of building that team and maybe part of that was LeBron's fault I don't know how much say he had in the personnel decisions but you know also I thought oh he's going to play with the best players but the more I thought about it I'm like look it's he's playing with his best if 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 I got a chance to play with you out in L A R G and it's like hey I can come out there and we can hang out all the time and you know we're we're playing basketball together. Of course I would do that. Of course I would do that. And, 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 you know, bonus, hey, I'm going out to Los Angeles. There's beaches. There's, you know, it's fun, blah, blah, just like Miami. So it's like, yeah, this, uh, that, that part I, I think I really did a 180 on. 
at the time, it was a paradigm shift in the NBA. Before that, remember, it was always like whether it was Michael Jordan or it was Magic Johnson or it was Larry Bird, even though they had great players surrounding them, it always felt like I'm not going to go like Larry Bird's not going to go play with Magic Johnson on the Lakers or vice versa, you know, no matter what. There was kind of almost that we get, you know, we're competitors, we're warriors, you know, we can be friends off the court, but once to step on the court, you know, that's that's my team. It was just a different mentality. It kind of like when LeBron James basically decided to, I'm going to go play with basically a guy who's already won a championship and one of the you know MVP candidates. It just sent shockwaves with the NBA. But like you said, and you look back in retrospect now, you look back to, to the kind of team that LeBron had, and then you look at like what's happened since when that Kevin Durant, who literally was the best player of the NBA, goes to play with the guy who's the previous MVP with Steph Curry and with Klay Thompson and championships, or some of the other things that we've seen here recently. Of course, we saw it in Houston with our own, you know, Dwight Howard and uh, James Harden, and then James Harden and Chris Paul, and then James Harden and Russell Westbrook. You know, I mean, you've seen this time and again throughout the NBA. Now LeBron and Anthony Davis. So it's just everything's changed. That never would have happened in the the 80s and the 90s and the in the 2000s. It just wasn't. You had Kobe and Shaq because. Kobe was drafted and Shaq was already there. But you just mentioned all those things in Houston. And except except for the Dwight Howard one, Chris Paul came in a trade. Russell Westbrook came in a trade. Uh, those were trades. It wasn't. Right, right. I'm, yeah, I'm just saying, I guess it's just, but uh, you're right. It's just that as far as assembling superstars together and then like Kyrie Irving now with, uh, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, you're right. As far as that being the case, um, it's just more of like having these teams where, all these guys, because remember, even before in the 80, 80s and 90s that you'd hear Charles Barkley, I didn't want to play with Michael. Jordan. I wanted to beat Michael Jordan. You know, that was the whole thing about it. You know, they it was just a different. Now guys want to play with one another. Superstars want to be on the same team as one another. It's just a different, different thing. And that moment kind of crystallized it for everybody with LeBron James, because, you know, he elected to leave Cleveland to go to to, to South Beach, Miami, and play with a Heat team where he'd be playing with other superstars. It's just like, that seemed to be the easy way out, the short, you know, hey, I just want to go play with other superstars who are already basically championship caliber. I don't want to work my way up and build my team. Remember we watched the Michael Jordan Last Dance documentary where how Jerry Krause and, you know, built up that team around Michael Jordan to suit his talents and took it to, you know, these great heights. It wasn't like Michael Jordan said, hey, I want to go join the, you know, Los Angeles Lakers you know, showtime, or I want to go join the Detroit Pistons. But the difference but, yeah. being that, you know, with the Michael Jordan, the, the, remember LeBron and Michael Jordan were both basically in, in their original cities for seven years. The difference is Scottie Pippen hadn't arrived in Cleveland. Archie. That's the, that's the difference between LeBron. No, you're right. I, I mean, that, yeah. And, and he's one of the great players of all time in the NBA. I'm just saying that, you know, as far as for, electing to wanting to go play. I mean, it just wasn't what was thought of. I mean, Michael Jordan could have very well in the you know late 80s, early 90s, when Scottie Pippen was still a young player, like kind of, he could have said, you know, I want to be in today's NBA would be like, this isn't good enough. You know, I, I, you know, I've been at this team, you know, six or seven years. I want to go play with, uh, I want to go play with, you know, Magic Johnson and James Worthy, you know, my college teammate out with the Lakers trade me or I'm just going to sign there as a free agent. And then you're like, OK, well, we have to do that because we know that that's a possibility now. But back then it was just a different mindset, different mentality. You know, I mean, it was just 
that's how things work. But I mean, we have that and we have these dynasties now in the NBA. You have these super teams and people like watching that, too. So, I mean, people like the dynasties. They like the Warriors. They they like watching, you know, uh, the, the the Lakers, you know, with the superstars. And you know, I mean, so that and what LeBron was able to do with the Heat, because it gave like either you you love that team or you hate him. There's no in between with them. And I think another thing about the LeBron thing that we didn't discuss is that he did end up going back to Cleveland. So I think part of it, we, we have, there's a sentimentality there now because we know how this story ends. He ended up leaving Miami, going back to Cleveland and winning a championship there. Now, if he hadn't, if he had gone on, you know, one championship stayed in Miami, then gone to the Lakers. I don't know if you'd be looking back on it. You could be saying, you, you might still say, well, LeBron didn't have anything Cleveland there, but if Cleveland is, was a terrible team and never won a championship in the last 10 years had been, you know, pretty much like horrible for Cleveland basketball since LeBron left, you'd be saying, well, LeBron probably bailed out on his team there. He never built a championship in Cleveland. But the fact that he came back and won with Kyrie Irving and all that, that was a really great story. So it makes people look back on it now and say, you know what, you know, in retrospect, you know, that that's okay too. Yeah. Well, you made a great point there uh, that he did go back to Cleveland and, and it, and it sort of reconfigures in your head, LeBron and his legacy and all of that. So that part was great in the end. I think it was a little stupid of, of myself. I'm just saying for me personally that I thought, Oh, he he's going to join all of these great players and he's leaving Cleveland and he should, you know, I, I, I sort of, have rejuggled all that in my head that the, the television show, that's a whole other story. And as, as we know, I think everybody's on board that that was not a great idea. I, I, I want to point something out um, because uh, I got to plug something a little bit. Cause we're, we're going to talk to the head football coach at Strake Jesuit on the podcast tomorrow. Strake, of course, that's where RG and I met as, you know, little baby 15 year olds back in the day. And the, the podcast, you know, we're not here. If it, if it wasn't for Strake Jesuit, you're probably thinking, What's so cool about the Strake Jesuit football coach coming on the show? Well, his name, Clay Kubiak. His dad, RG, is – who's that again? Who's his dad? Yeah, I think we all know. Yeah, Gary Kubiak, which is, you know, former uh, ball boy for the uh, Houston Oilers and, 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 of course, the Texans head coach. So I'm looking – I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, had, you know, just last week in the Throwback Thursday – if you haven't, go listen to that Jake Reiner conversation because you talked to Carl Reiner's grandson, rest in peace, Carl Reiner, and just thought it would be a perfect time to revisit that because we, we talk about, you know, just it was real interesting because he grew up a Dodgers fan. He grew up in Los Angeles, and he's right there in Houston covering the Astros and the Dodgers in the World Series. He, you know, we talked about, you know, his just some harrowing experiences with Hurricane Harvey. You know, it's with everything that's going on right now, we forget what a crazy time. Well, maybe you don't. I'm sure a lot of people out there, are, there's no way you're going to forget what happened in Hurricane Harvey. But that that that's a conversation that you're going to want to revisit. There's there's look a lot of sports in that, too, because him and his dad, Rob, they, they took a baseball trip all over the country when they were when he was a kid. And so it, just a lot of good stuff. And also want to remind everybody that we'd love your feedback, suggestions, questions, topics, message us through Twitter, Facebook or email info at houstonsportstalk.net. It's, it, it's the emails in the show description of every show in case you missed it. And of course, as I got to say every week now, because this is where, where we're, we are, we're at right now, uh, I'll close out by saying stay healthy and stay safe, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. 
Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.